0: to get too off topic or whatever. It's somewhat a topic, but I think it's one of the biggest missing components in modern church life is actually knowing one another.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? It, it's actually truly getting to know uh, who you go to church with, if you will, or I like to better say who you worship with, who your church family is, and see one another. We will talk a little bit about that. It, there's, a, there's a power in that that I think can be missing in modern church life when everybody we just contend to and please know when I say that I'm not picking on anybody I'm not picking on any church in particular I'm not doing nothing but I just have noticed it's um it's yeah it's just people come they they come they gather they listen they leave (laughs) and then they come back the next time huh well some people come for the Sunday morning show now you're going to get to meddling Miss Penny you know I mean some people (laughs) um some people come for the show some people think it's um Man, okay, well, Lord, just help us as we start in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Is um, what happens is is, um, we can come for the event because we've been told that the event will change our life. And there is a, a small piece of that which is true, right? But there's a whole lot of that that is not true. Does that make sense? You know, it's, uh, uh, and again, and, and we'll get into the Bible. If you want to find the book of Second Corinthians, we'll jump off right there. Um, so one of the most influential books beyond the Bible that I've read in the past 15 years is a book written by Mr. Eugene Peterson, who gave us the message paraphrase version of the Bible. And uh, Brother Eugene wrote a book. It was his own kind of autobiography called The Pastor. And so I would recommend to all of our pastoral staff, if you've not read it, You need to read it, okay? It's called The Pastor by Eugene Peterson. And it's just the story of his life. And again, I want a a real brief synopsis uh, of the book is, you know, Brother Eugene started out as a Pentecostal boy growing up, but then ended up as a Presbyterian minister, which is always interesting journeys (laughs) when you hear people's journeys. Um, But in the book, I forgot what chapter it is, but probably one of the most influential things that, that impacted my life was he talked about how in the church world, there, everybody understand the word? Here's your $5 Sunday morning word. Um, uh, do you understand the word trans- transcendency? I understand that word transcendence. Basically, transcendency means something that takes you from one state or, or plane of existence into another state, right, of existence. And, and in the church world at large, we, we have three false transcendencies that we battle, two of which we do a really good job about preaching against. Uh, It's the false transcendency of chemical addiction, Mm -hmm. everything from drugs, alcohol, and if I can meddle just a little bit, sugar. Mm -hmm. Audra and I I were talking about that now, as as some of you have heard, and I've I've accepted the position at the bakery up in Jasper, and they got this uh, cream-filled cookie thing that is like really, really, really sweet like I mean like really sweet it's it's delicious but it is like like for me I take a bite and I'm like going okay I'm good like I mean that's that's dessert for all week you know and so and Audrey and I were talking about man how can people eat that I said well because it's a it's a drug it's it's the regular cookie now doesn't cut it you gotta have the double stuff right and and now and it's so even if we talk about that there there is a false transcendency that comes from addiction Um, There's a false transcendency that comes from uh, immoral or illicit relationships, Mm -hmm. whether it be anything from prostitution to adultery to just pornography to just whatever. There's a false... And the reason we call them false transcendencies is because in the moment it kind of feels Like like it promises something. It feels like it's taking you somewhere, but then when the high wears off or the... The feel-good moment of the relationship wears off. You're, you're right back where you were, if not maybe a little less or lower Thank than, much. right, because of that false. And we're real good about preaching about those, right? Again, we say we don't smoke, drink, or chew or go with girls that do, right? I mean, that's kind of how <laughs> the church says that. Um, but there's a false transcendency that is just as dangerous as the first two that we actually celebrate, and it's called The False Transcendency of the Crowd. Right? Because of the crowd. Because, again, well, I mean, again, it's, uh, it's one of those things. How many of you, you've been to a hoppin' church service? Man. You know the the building was full, the overflow room was full, the parking lot was full, right? Things were just a popping and a hopping, and you're like, man, and you've heard yourself or others say, God's doing something, mm-hmm. and maybe, <laughs> maybe not. I mean, you know what it means when ten thousand people showed up. Ten thousand people showed up. That's what that means. See, Jesus in His life was not. Uh, distracted or moved of the false transcendency of the crowd Mm -hmm. now Jesus had crowds Jesus had crowds that most preachers wish they had Mm -hmm. Jesus had crowds that pastors pay lots of money to find out how do you build big crowds like that Jesus had crowds but if you notice in the life of Jesus he was not deceived by the crowd he was not he was not deceived that that meant he was effective he was not deceived that he meant that meant the nation was changing. Right. Oh my goodness. Okay, hello. Can I can I just be real real right? And again, please hear me. I'm not against you know if 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 500 people showed up at our church next week. Well, hallelujah, praise God. 500 people That's showed right. up. That's awesome. You know we'll have to we'll do whatever. Cool. Does that mean anything happened? No. It means nothing. It means 500 people showed up. And we go, yay, cool, 500 people showed up. We need more toilet paper. That's, a, that's amazing. Right? More, more Kleenex, you know? I mean, water bill went up. It's awesome, great, praise the Lord, you know? But does that, does that please hear me, because I, because, but Jesus understood the power of relational transformation. That's what Jesus understood. Right, he understood. Now, again, Jesus ministered to the crowd. Jesus healed the crowd. We know Jesus fed the crowd twice. Jesus did all kinds of stuff, but he was real, real quick. You know, if you remember that one story, Jesus feeds the 5,000 and then, uh, or the four, I can't remember the, which one anyway. but Jesus feeds one of these big crowds one day and they get in the boat and he begins to talk about the leaven of the Pharisees, which you understand one of the leavens of the Pharisees is the crowd because the Pharisees were jealous of Jesus because he had a crowd and they didn't Okay, I'll just drop that right there and we'll move on, right? You know It's a lot of that happening today, right? People go to churches because of numbers, right? People think success happens in church because of numbers. It's not just in the church. It's in everybody. We do it now on Facebook. It's the, how many likes, how many friends do I have? We do it in social media all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. We we do it now. And we all, I mean, I'm guilty. You know, you, you get this post and you post it out there. And nobody likes it in the first 30 seconds. And you're like, I'm just useless. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. No, like, you know, the spirit of Eeyore gets on you. It's only me. <laughs> right. But... But I say that, but what people are hungry for is being seen and being known. That's true. Yeah. Right? People are hungry. They're starving to be seen. Mm-hmm. Keep, keep, we'll see what happens when we go. go to Go to John. And I'm so far out in the weeds now we'll to see where we go. How's that sound? Perfect. Good. Awesome. John chapter... Four. You all know, I've heard me say this before, I believe, those that maybe are new, maybe we haven't covered this yet with you. And here's the story. It's John and the woman at the well, if you remember that story. Again, I love the reality that this is the first person Jesus showed himself to publicly as Messiah. Again, that's just always worth saying when you come to that, that Jesus picks a woman who had a really messed up background and says, I'm gonna show myself as Messiah to her first. Amen. And then I'm her. gonna and then I'm That's gonna so I'm gonna turn her loose as the first evangelist of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And, all the, and yeah. all the women said, Amen, right? So this is one of the cases we know that ministry is for women, the gospel is for women to share. There is there is instruction about what Paul said in Timothy about women. Uh, Teaching, But just to be real clear, it's not the topic of discussion of today. Uh, What Paul is addressing is a heart attitude, not an action. Mm -hmm. Women who were taking over to usurp men's position Mm -hmm. because their heart was wrong. Because they didn't trust men. They didn't believe in men. They didn't have confidence in men. And so they usurped. Some of the Jezebel spirit. Uh, you know, Jezebel spirit, Miss Miss Mary, I, I don't buy into the Jezebel spirit too much. I mean, I, Jezebel was a person and she was mean and she was evil. We shouldn't be like her, right? I mean, you know. <laughs> but but uh, but uh, but uh, but but she came to yeah, you, yeah she she got ed up by dogs, you know, and and only her feet and her hands were left. I mean, so Huh? What do you say? You finally shocked This is Jezebel. So anyway, but, but I think a lot of I think a lot of women, if I can say, and I need all my ladies to listen. I think a lot of women have been uh, condemned and held captive by a false doctrine that there is a spirit of Jezebel. Can I just say that just as bluntly as I know how to say that, right? That uh, that, that 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 Jezebel was under the influence of the devil. Just like a man could be under the influence of the devil, just like any of us can yield ourselves to the evil one and fall under the influence. It's not the devil is not uh, doesn't have a gender preference, right? <laughs> he'll he'll t- <laughs> he'll take whoever yields and shows up, right? And so, um, trans anybody, right? You know, all that kind of stuff. But but I would want to free women, especially in our church world today. Because I I do believe there's been a bit of a false teaching on the Jezebel spirit, and it has condemned women. So that any time a woman feels the nudge of the spirit and steps up, she has a question, am am I being a Jezebel? Mm -hmm. Right? Does that make sense? And so that's not that Paul is talking about ladies, when he's talking to Timothy, about women shouldn't teach in the church. (coughs) Is that they shouldn't teach in the church outside of cooperation with male leadership just to be real plain and simple and that kind of stuff. It's when we're going to, we're going to, you know, what was it the Little Rascals had, the, the Rascal Boys, who was it, Spanky? Spanky. Yeah, the, the He-Man Woman Haters Club, you know what I mean? In the Little Rascals, there was the He-Man Woman Haters Club. Well, you know, in our modern culture, what would we have? We have the She-Ra Warrior Princess man hating Club, right? And so, <laughs> right. And so uh, we shouldn't hate any, anybody, right? right, We shouldn't look down on any gender. We, we both, both male and female carry the image of God. And and it's really good when we all work together. Amen. It's really, really, really good good. when we all work together because there's an aspect of God that is feminine that I can't, I can't bring out because I'm not a girl. Uh And just as much as my wife is not a man. So there's an aspect of God that is masculine that, that she can't bring out. We need both. There's an understanding of God that comes in both. And we need both ministering. We need both in the pulpit. We need both in the street. We need both everywhere because God wants to be seen. But all that was extra. You're welcome. <laughs> Amen. But back here to John. Here, so he, he turns loose this, this woman uh, that is there. And you know, and obviously, you know, the disciples come and want to know why he's talking to this loose woman and Um, and stuff and he says well around verse 32 I have food because I said here eat something and he says I have food that you don't know of and the disciples thought that someone else had brought him a happy meal but then (laughs) Jesus said in verse 34 Jesus said my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work can I just stop right there uh, underline highlight that verse that should be our heart's desire of every person under the sound of my voice, that this is your heart's desire. If I could say anything, this is, would be the greatest desire I would have for us as a church family, that we would all say, man, it's my food, it's my substance, it's my sustenance, nothing satisfies me like doing the will of the one who sent me and finishing the work he has given me to do. That's my heart's desire. More than ever, ever in my whole life this year, I stand at a place of the Lord, I so want to just do exactly what you want me to do, exactly how you want me to do it. And I don't want to go any other way, right? And whatever that is and whatever that means and wherever that takes me, I just want to do your will, your way. I want to finish everything you would give me to do in this life. I don't want to leave anything here undone. Amen. And it says, do you not say, verse 35, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, now notice this. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ready white for harvest. Because in that one verse right there, Jesus says, people, what people long for is to be seen. Right? People long to be seen. They want to be known. They want someone to look at them and see them. And love them, but in that seeing of them is how we love them. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You can't, you can't love without seeing. You can't love without seeing. You can't love without looking at someone and knowing them and connecting with them. And, and, and as I said before, and, and this is, I mean, yes, there's some obvious seeings. I mean, people want to say, oh, wow, your name's Brad. And remember your name. Can I just can I just say, all right, can, here we go. This is all right. Here we go. <laughs> right? You know, some people just want you to, to to care enough to remember the simple
1: mm-hmm.
0: like their name yep.
1: Yep. Huge.
0: <laughs> huge. huge just to say oh wow i remembered your name again we've heard psychologists say i don't know how true it is i've not done the research but they say and i've heard it said you know the most beautiful word in any language is your name when they actually do psychological studies of people, the most beautiful word to everyone is their name. Right? So, and, and this will, right, let's hit pause on this just one second. Let me back up and tee up. Go to Philippians, please. And we're going to come back to this. Don't let me not come back to this, okay? Because it's important. But, um, but I, I got to tee this up first because I'm trying to find my feet. I'm struggling just a little bit, but it's all right. Um, so Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. I love this, what Paul writes to the Philippian church. Um, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Can I just hook up with this rule? Isn't that interesting? So so how do you think Paul the apostle was fairly important individual? Anybody agree with that, that he was fairly important. How many of you think, you know, Paul, the apostle, and and I'm going to use more of our Alabama speak in, and not in his attitude, but in his occupation and what he did and his calling, he was a big shot. Anybody agree with me that the apostle Paul, he's kind of a big deal, right? Apostle Paul, and, and he apparently knew enough about it by the spirit that he was not afraid to say, Hey, I'm kind of a big deal. Right, Because that's what he said about himself. He says, well, hey, remember it. I was the chief of all sinners over here, killing the church and being all self-righteous and thinking I was all that in a bag of chips. And I was just thinking I was super awesome. And so I was the, the greatest sinner of all. But now, by the grace of God, <laughs> I'm the best apostle ever. <laughs> right? All these other guys. They just wish they were me. That's really what it, I, I do. I do more than them. I work harder than them. I, I plant more churches than them. I've got more influence in them. I'm, I'm, by the grace of God, I'm, I'm pretty cool. Right. And that's kind of a little tongue in cheek. But that was Paul. So Paul kind of understood by the grace of God, he was a big deal. Would, would we agree with that? I mean, again, to the point where Paul and Peter of his own accord, too. But both Paul and Peter recognized that when they wrote letters, they were actually writing the Bible. They actually knew that what was happening was not of them. It was they were being moved by the Holy Spirit. And that's why Peter and Paul both say it's so important that I leave this record for you behind. Even to the point where Peter in his letter says it's so important I leave this record. It's more important than that day I was on the Mount of Transfiguration and I saw Jesus transformed and I heard God and I saw Moses and I saw Elijah. What I'm actually writing is more important than that. So, we kind of miss that a little bit, don't we? Wow. Right? So, they understood what they were doing. I say all this to say that these men were, sometimes we think they were just like, especially Peter, no, but you know, that they were kind of like just bumbling along. Mm-hmm. That's how it's presented. They were just stumbling. Oh, no, no, these men knew. Mm-hmm. By the grace of God, I was this over here. And now by the grace of God, I am this over here. By the grace of God, he inspires me to write down his word that will remain. And he will protect and seal forever he is doing something in us. Right? I mean, even to the point where John, if you look at John's revelation, you know, John gets to go to heaven in Revelation. And he sees heaven. I mean, how cool is that? But you read the story of John and he says, man. And there's these, these walls of stone and they're precious stone. And I look at the foundation stones of heaven and there's my name and Peter's name and Matthew's name. So you have to understand these men saw things and go, oh, we're a big deal. I'm just trying to lay that as it makes sense. So then to me, that's what sticks in my brain when I read verse three. Oh, and I thank God upon every remembrance of you. Notice Paul doesn't say, I, I thank God upon every remembrance of all the great things he let me do. I thank God upon every remembrance that I got to write the Bible. I thank God that I got to plan all these churches. I thank God. He says, no, 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 no. When I remember and I go to God in prayer, I thank God for you. He actually, I don't know if it's to the Philippians, I don't remember, but to one of the churches he planted, he tells them, he says, Remember, you are my joy. You are my crown. Not the church I planted, not the ministry I started, not my tent making business. Because you got to think, you know, can, is this all right this morning? Can I just plant this just real well in us? You know, because I mean, Paul was bivocational, like many ministers are. Paul's a tent guy. We were just doing some stuff. And, you know, and uh, it says in Acts chapter 19, and I love the, how, and special miracles were granted to Paul in that handkerchiefs and aprons, and it says this, were taken from his body. And they would lay him on the sick. And if there was a sickness or an evil demon present, it would drive out the sickness. You notice it doesn't say like that. Paul do now again. Please hear me. This is not wrong. What we do, but it doesn't say that Paul prayed over the cloths and sent them out in prayer. Wow. It says they were taken from him. <laughs> so I think. Well, I think it was more like Brad sanctified imagination. Paul's working and he's sweating and he's doing his tent stuff and like all, he's got to go to the bathroom so he takes his apron off lays it down got the handkerchief down goes off the back comes back and goes where'd my apron go (laughs) you know or he's there working he sets his handkerchief down turns around to get his hand not it goes to the box of handkerchiefs you know gets another handkerchief you you know (laughs) just keeps buying because people keep coming and going Paul ain't here and he just takes that you know but so even on this I imagine you know Paul's business had a supernatural side to it and that people came to his business to get healed people came to his ministry but when paul goes to thank god and remember he's not remembering any of that he doesn't say lord i thank you for the special miracles that you did i'm sure he was grateful please hear me but when he writes it down by the spirit It's very telling that he says, when I go to prayer and I remember the goodness of God and I pray, I'm thankful for you. Who are you thankful for? Who are you thankful for? Do they know? Do they know that you're thankful for them? Do they know that? That you're grateful for all that they've done in your life and put inside of you, Amen. Amen. Who are you thankful for? See, that's how you. Last week we talked about letting God put somebody in your heart and let God plant people inside of you. Uh, the number one action that lets us know who those is Thanksgiving. Amen. I'm thankful for you. So grateful, truly so thankful. Man, I hope I've never. I'm thankful for each. I am thankful for each and every one of you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for each and every one of you. What a privilege to be able to call you friends and church family and to worship together and to see God grow in each and every one. Just so grateful, so thankful. Never want to take that for granted, right? I don't. I mean, I, I know people. Are, I'd, I'd love to see everybody here, but not because. Just because I like to see you. Not because, I'm in Boston, crowd. Not because I'm trying to build a crowd. That's right. But because I just like seeing you. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. But because I'm just thankful for you, I'm just grateful for you. Mm-hmm. Who are you grateful for? Do you let them know? Mm-hmm. Amen. Does that, does that make sense? Yes. And it goes on Always in every prayer of mine, man, I make request for you. With all joy, it's astounding to me. I, I I don't know if in the New Testament, I've I've ever seen Paul pray for himself. Okay, I, okay, I'm gonna go meddle just a little bit in the church world, right? Finish this phrase for me. the The last word, pray for. Mm-mm. What does everybody normally say? Pray for. Me, hey man, pray for me, Kevin. You pray for me, man. I just need somebody. Ooh, pray for me. Just pray for me. Please hear me. Okay, I'm not trying to be totally mean.
1: We're supposed to share
0: each other's burdens. We should share one another's burdens, but if I find myself saying "pray for me" more than "pray for you," I could be limping. (laughs) Right? Does that make sense? I, I could be out of balance. If all the time I'm going, just pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, just pray for I Just pray, pray, just get people to pray for you. Just have people, Brother Tim, just get people to pray for Pray, pray, pray for me, pray, for pray, pray. <laughs> Does that mean? And <laughs> but Paul, I mean, and think about this. Think about Paul, right? Now, did, was, how many of you would love to have joined Paul's ministry? Some parts. Some parts? How many of you? <laughs> well, so, again, I, this, again, just keep your fingers here. I, you don't have to go with me, but I'm, I'm going to back up and I'm going to read just to... Just to double check, right? Semester. So, I'm just going to double check, like you know, because we were talking about the Apostle Paul here, and so I'm going to read what life in Paul's ministry kind of looked like. It wouldn't look good on a grocery list. Yeah, I mean, you know, so so here it is. And so so Paul says now. Now remember, Paul writing to the Corinthians, they had a problem. They had false teachers and false apostles coming in people who were coming in and really trying to usurp Paul's position as the founder of the church there. They were trying to gain uh, Paul's influence and kind of cut Paul out of the deal, so to speak. So he's talking about them when we pick up here in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. So speaking of these false apostles, he says, are they Hebrews? Paul says, so am I. Are they Israelites? Well, so am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? Paul says, well, so am I. Are, I love this. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. <laughs> Paul says he's ornery, right? Um, I, well, he says basically, he says, for me to say that is just foolish because we all know they're not, right? Are they ministers of Christ? Okay, well, I'm speaking, speaking foolishness here. I am more. Now notice this. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, Above measure in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in, will, will, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, and besides all of these things, that which comes upon me daily, my deep heart and concern for all the churches." So now, who wants to be part of Paul's ministry? Anybody wanting to sign up? That's the brochure. Can I, can I ush? I'd like to ush. You know what I mean? It's a, um, but here's the thing. So how do you know, if if, if that was kind of happening to you, the phrase we were just talking about would probably come out, pray, pray for please. me. <laughs> pray for me, right? I mean, pray please. We all pray for me. Why? I just read this list of all the prayers. And notice what Paul says. He says, Always in every prayer of mine, mm-hmm. I make request for you. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, I don't know about you, but that's, that's inspiring. Mm-hmm. Always in every prayer of mine, I pray for you. Mm-hmm. We'd all read that Let's go, well, Paul, you should. Probably pray for yourself, brother. I mean, you know, it's (laughs) most of your days look look bad, right? (laughs) Amen. But Paul says, no, 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 I, I pray for you. For your fellowship in the gospel, and that just means your vital union with me in the gospel from the first day until now, being very confident of this thing that the one who began a good work in you will continue that work until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Mm -hmm. Can I again say something? I don't mean this to sound mean or indicting. You know why many times we say pray for me? It's because I'm the only one in my own heart. Mm -hmm. I have no one else. There's no one else in my heart there's just me Mm. right but we have to stand back and go Paul says wow it's good for me this is so good for me it's I love what he says it's right for me to think this way about you because you're in my heart Mm. so guys again I'm going to keep asking us who's in your heart who is God put in your heart? Do you know who they are? Can you see their face? Do you know their name? Who are they? Right? Let's keep reading. And as much as in both my chains. I love that. He said, have you in my heart? You're also in my chains. <laughs> and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. You are all partakers with me of grace. And I love this thought. You know, we, we teach a lot and we should about grace. But grace is, what is that? Grace is like that dessert that is best shared. <laughs> Does that make sense? You know, gr- grace is so big. You, you know, you go to, and they, uh, it used to be some places I knew we don't eat that much dessert anymore. But remember, we'd go to places and you'd get the dessert and they were, the dessert came out and it was like... And it was like this big piece of cake. I mean, where's those places now? Anybody knows? What's your favorite dessert places like that? Nobody? Fire, the The, the fi- we went on time, the chocolate cake. You go to a place and that's there. I mean, it used to be that way. I used to think it was uh, the cheesecake plate was pretty good and they got kind of stingy. Now I can either that or I got really greedy. I can eat a whole piece by myself now. I mean, I can't figure out. I'm going to blame them before I blame me, right? And so, um, but you know, but you go. <laughs> Yeah, we went to, took Caleb to P.F. Chang's for his birthday and they did like this melty lava thing and they flummed. That's really good and it was big. But you know, you, 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 they bring that thing out and you're like, yeah, we're going to need more spoons. Right? That's grace. That's a, it's a, a lot of the church world doesn't want you to bring more spoons. And, um, <laughs> but guys, that's grace. Grace is like that big dessert that comes out, and it's best enjoyed with more spoons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's best enjoyed with people, and that's what Paul says. Man, you all—you are partakers with me of grace. Right? One of the reasons why so many believers live victory, victory less, or victory ever defeated lives let me say it like that, is they don't got more spoons. They got nobody sharing the grace that's there, right? Hello, are you, are you, have you ever wondered this? You know, it, it's, it's kind of like as an example. It's like, has you ever wondered why God has things like words of wisdom and words of knowledge? Meaning, why God, and I'll pick on Penny, you know, why would God ever give Penny a word of knowledge for me when the Bible says he'll just talk to me? Mm -hmm. Have you ever wondered about that? Mm -hmm. you know, because, and I've talked to people about that. Well, why didn't God just, I mean, I mean, it's cool that he told Penny, okay, but why didn't God tell me? Right? Now, there's a whole bunch of reasons that could possibly be the answer, but my favorite is understand that God is the God of multiplied thanksgiving. Right? He, is, he is the God that loves to see people connected. So sometimes he tells somebody else just to give you another spoon to share grace with. Because now all of a sudden you're real grateful when God comes and answers your question or gives you that confirming word that you've been asking him for and you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And when the other person realizes, I heard right, right? <laughs> now they're thankful because God used them. Does that make sense? I I mean, I'll tell a story. One of our mentors at at Rama was Brother Keith Moore. And I love the story that Brother Keith used to tell us as as an example, right, to, to young students. And he would talk about, he was starting out in ministry and he was praying and the Lord said, hey, Keith, I need you to go and buy brown shoes, size nine, and take them to this brother over here. And he was like, and then kind of he wrestled a little bit and goes, that's weird. You know, I've seen so-and-so. They they dress fine, their shoes are fine, they they don't need nothing. And so he kind of dismisses it, and the Lord just keeps dealing with him and says, Hey, listen, brown shoes, size nine, brother so-and-so. So finally, Brother Keith yields and goes and gets the shoes. And takes them and, and kind of, as we all might do, you know, hey, man, I, I, th- here, this is what I heard. I, I'm, it's probably all wrong, but there you go. Guy opens it up and just starts crying. I've been asking God. And it wasn't for shoes, it was to know that God had heard him. Because he was asking about something bigger, he was just using brown shoes as a bit of a test. Does God listen? And so now this guy's like, brown shoes. Ah, and he's all like, God, ah. And then Brother Keith walks around and he goes, brown shoes. <laughs> I heard brown shoes. Yeah. Right? And those things, why does God do that? Because he loves relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I see? Mm-hmm. Yeah, please do. I think we also get into the habit of
1: thinking, well, I'm not far enough ahead Mm. that I should share the grace with somebody else because I don't have all my ducks in a row or I haven't arrived yet or I am not good enough Mm. yet or anything like that. But (laughs) in a family, um, you know, we have, when when you have a, a, a few kids, it's really good to teach something to one of them and then have them turn right around and teach a younger one immediately because it sticks better, you know? Have you ever learned something and then turned around and immediately shared it with somebody else, and you're excited about it, this is transforming your way of thinking, and the moment you share it, they're like, oh, you know, there's just that excitement in you that they're like, okay, you're pretty excited about that, all right, and then they turn around, and then whoa, and then they come back, like you said, you know, I heard brown shoes, you know, kind of a thing, but I don't want us to Hold back because, well, I'm not a pastor. Yeah. Well, I'm not a teacher of the word. Well, nobody said you needed to be either of those. You things. know, having 50 <laughs> years of experience before you can share. Right. Um, if the Lord is speaking to you today about anything, if He's shared something with you today, if He's revealed something to you today, if yes. you have learned something new today anything any little piece of revelation if he's answered a question of yours today turn right around and share that with somebody yes because they need to hear it and it needs and that will cement it in your heart yeah. because you're sharing it you're giving yeah. it and it's like that miracle of the feeding of the 5000 where Jesus blessed it and then he gave it to the disciples and it was up to them to distri- to distribute it mhm so it was the breaking and passing along, and yeah. I got some, I break it, I pass it along. Yep. I break it, I pass it along. That's where the miracle happened, mm-hmm. right? And so the moment you receive something, you know, <coughs> excuse me, just recently, the Lord answered a question for me that I've been asking him for like three years. And it was like, that's the answer I was looking for. Brad, this is the answer yes. I was mm-hmm. looking for. kids. Do you remember how I asked the Lord about this? And you've seen the struggle. You've seen the wrestling. Okay. You know that I just got the answer for that is this and this and that. And now they're they're you know, in their own life and perspective, it adds to them. And so it's, it's just the moment the Lord yes. does anything turn right around, break it, and share it, break it and share mm. it. That's that sharing of the grace. Yes. Immediately. You don't have to wait until you go to Bible school or get graduated. You don't have to wait for any of that. Don't wait. Don't wait. Yes. It's, it's, it's more alive when it's alive unto you. It'll be so much more alive unto others.
0: Right. Very good. That's awesome. No, very, very good. And, and it got, and I just want us to talk these things out more because that's just, as we start this year, we've been praying about this year. Is this is this is the big question? Who's in your heart? Do you know who your people are? Who are they? Can you see them? Can you know? Do you know them? How much do you know them? Right, and and, and to really get that in, because I mean, on one side, just to be real transparent, because we live in a church age that is very me centered. We live in a church time when if you listen and please, and I, and I got to be careful how to say this because I, I don't want to get off into error. right? Remember, you know, Brother Leon Fontaine, the great pastor from Canada, used to say, you know, for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch. Right. You know, you can get off in the ditch where you become a self-martyring martyr. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to go kill myself for others and I never think about me and I never take care of me and I never. And that's a ditch. God doesn't want you in that ditch where where you just used up and you know what I mean and all that. But at the same time, I think in some instances, we, we in the in the rightness of getting out of that ditch, we traveled across the road and got into the ditch of well, what does the gospel do for me? Yeah. Right. How is the gospel about me? I'm interested in what it's doing for me. Can I be real? Can I? Can I just really cross like? Can I just? Okay. Can I just be mean, right? Just real mean, just for a second, and I'll be sweet again. Does that make sense? Just real quick. You know, just listen to the number of sermons that are five steps to getting this, the three keys that will promise you this, the six things to get you that. Those are little alarm bells when we start hearing so much about. I'm going to formulate the Bible so that I can exact everything from the Bible for my comfort and my blessing only and my benefit only, and it's just about me, then we, we're getting close to falling into the ditch over here where it becomes the gospel of me. There's an interesting thing, if you've got a little piece of paper and you're writing down notes, you can do this. Are you ready? All right, right down the middle of a page, Right down the middle vertically. You're going to write this vertically. I want you to write out P-R-I-D-E. Now, what is that word? Pride. Pride. All right. So there you've written pride and it's vertical, right? P-R-I-D-E. So about the third letter down, right, to the left of that, what's that third letter? Pride. To the left of that letter, I want you to write the letter S. And to the right of that letter, I want you to write the letter N. (coughs) And isn't it interesting what's in the middle of pride and sin? (laughs) I am. (laughs) I am in the middle of pride and sin. And when I become focused on I, I'm on a slippery slope of either pride or sin. Now, again, please, y'all hear me. I'm about to say, I love you. So, right? Does that make sense? So, so we've got to be careful with that because, again, and we're reading through Paul's stuff, there is, there is a truth to Christianity that is the loss of. Of me. And there has to come a point as we mature in Christ, as we grow in God. Where like John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he might increase. If I want the glory of Christ if I want the, the life of Christ, if I want the power of Christ to increase in my life, then I must decrease. Hello, are you with me? Yep. And we have to fight, especially in the culture we live in here in, in the United States. It's very eye-centered, yes. right? We, we live in a very eye-centered culture where it's about me, right? Right? I mean, what was that Frank Sinatra? I did it my way. <laughs> right, I mean, you know, <laughs> you, know you, you just look across our stuff and, it, and there's so, and we have to, that is anathema, that is contrary to the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? You know, I know we, we live in a day and an age where um, pronouns are interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And people are running around, well, what's your pronoun? Right, and what's your... You know, and people associate themselves as I'm, I'm some version of the alphabet soup, right? I'm trans, unified, non-binary, yeah, twisted, vegetable, pretzely, something. i being a little bit mean, just on purpose. <laughs> but, but I say all that to say, you know, in, in the world where pronouns are important, so in the kingdom of God, you know, the favorite pronoun... In the kingdom of God there, is Him. Mm-hmm. His. Yeah. He. Yeah. Right, next one. We. Mm-hmm. Our yeah. Us. Mm-hmm. You don't read a whole lot of I. Mm-hmm. Me. Mine. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? We know we all heard it said yes. That's the unholy trinity right me myself and I is the unholy trinity that plagues many Christians right and so I want us to talk about this and and please hear me not because I feel like there's a ton of correction needed to be had amongst us as a church family but to strengthen us in the understanding that that as I grow in God I should expect and I will find myself becoming less me-centered and more others-centered. Right? I mean, I grew up at the Baptist church, as many of you did, and there was a little song, maybe you can sing it with me, that fit when we were little, and it went something like this. J-O-Y, J-O-Y, you remember this? This must surely mean... Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. Ever grow up hearing that? Man, y'all missed a lot, didn't you? <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. <Yeah. Roger>. J. <laughs> right? J O I J O I. This must surely mean Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. Many people have not experienced the joy of the Lord. Because they haven't experienced others yet. They've experienced Jesus and they're really focused on themselves, so they end up with Gia. (laughs) (laughs) I'm full of Gia. Pardon? And that's why most people look at them going, I'm sorry, we know Gia. No, no, I, I want you to be full of joy. And notice you're in the letters. You're there. Right? You're in joy. But remember what again, what we said about Paul, and I forgot I'll find it in that week. But Paul said to that church he planted, you, you are my joy and my crown. You are the joy of life and you are the reward of heaven. Come on now, let me say that one more time people are the joy of life and people are the crown of heaven. Amen. Ministries like building and planning, I'm so grateful that it seems like God has used us to plant churches. This would be our fourth church with you guys that we've planted. But planting a church is not the crown I'm taking to heaven. Does that make sense? The crown I get to take with heaven is the influence I've been able to see God use me in in sometimes I think very pitiful ways, <laughs> right? To influence people and to and to point people to Him and to watch people grow and to see people come alive, right? That that's the crown. Everything else is just everything else does that does that make sense mm-hmm. now how am i doing i don't even know how i'm doing on time what are we looking at clockwise Twelve ten. all right let me give me a few more minutes and, and let me finish this up and we'll see where we go uh next week but we left off philippians 2 where paul says you're all partakers with me of grace for god is my witness Ah man for god is you ever heard somebody say that before God is my witness. God is my witness. And then normally, you typically know a fish story is coming right after that, right? You know, typically, you know, you'll speak to me, you know, as God I went fishing the other day, as God is my witness, it was. You ever heard about the, the one-armed fisherman? The fisherman only had one arm? He yeah, caught one that big.
1: <laughs> <Right?
0: And> so, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, and, and typically, that's, as God is my witness, it was huge. It was ginormous. It was, uh, it was, It was big. Right? And we normally preface that. Here Paul genuinely said, I love this, for God is my witness. And what does that say? How greatly I long for you. We don't really use that phrase much in connection with that, do we? But Paul says, man, as God is my witness, how greatly I long for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. Can I ask you, who do you long for? Do you have people in your life that you long for with the affection of Christ? That you're like, man, I long for you. I long to see Christ in you. I long to see you walk in the fullness of God. I long to see you experience the power of the Spirit. I long for something I long for, for you. Does that make sense? Paul said the same thing of of the Romans. If you read in Romans chapter one, he said, how greatly I desired to see your face so that I might impart something spiritual into your heart. We're going to talk about this as as I share in my weeks a little bit more. And this I pray, he continues in verse nine, and this I pray, and this is, This is currently over the last month and a half has been since um, right before Christmas for us as a church family, for each and every one of you. Truly, this is my prayer for us this year. And when I pray for you, I want you to know I pray this verse. And I pray that your love may abound still more and more in all knowledge and discernment. That's my prayer for you, just as you know, as your pastor. That's what I'm actively praying now. I love that word abound. It literally, it's the word in the Greek language that means to overabound, to superabound. It's the whole idea of, uh, you know, if you heard somebody talk about, you know, if you pour the glass full of whatever, let's say tea, you know, and everybody says, you know, are you a glass has, uh, uh, <laughs> fix that one. Yeah. Are you a glass? Are you a glass half full or half empty person? I'm going to let all you right now. And so are, which one you know people say that say are you a glass glad I'm sorry. I know I get stuck. Slow down. So are you a glass half full or half empty? Which one are you? Right? Well for us as Christ followers we're a glass running over All over the floor. Yes. That's it. Yeah. Like the pipe outside. Like the pipe outside. We're not not half full. We're not half empty. And that's what this word literally, for a word imagery, that's what that word abound means. That's what Paul is praying. He's praying. He says, I pray that the love of God in you would superabound, would pour out of you like a glass running over. That it would flow out and flow out and flow out. And it would just be this super abundant fountain of love that would just come out of you. And that's my prayer. That's my prayer truly for us as a church. That's because there are people. I told you that last year. There are people. And they're just on the other side of your heart expanding. We read about it last year, right? That in Isaiah chapter 54, because of Messiah, because of the gospel, the prophet says, enlarge the place of your dwelling. Strengthen your states. Lengthen your cords. Expand the capacity of your heart. And for months when I pray in the Spirit, I there are people in each, they're just on the other side of your expansion. They're already there. The people you were made for, the people you were called to, the people that God would put in your life, they're already present. It's just, will I let my heart expand enough for them to have room? Does that make sense? Because what people want is to be seen. They want to be known. They want to know that there is a place and not just, even though I want to have us create a place like here at church, this is a place where people can belong. But they don't want to belong here only. They want to belong to someone's heart. That's what they want to belong to. They, they want to belong to someone. They, 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 sure, they want to know, okay, yeah, at Life of Faith, there's room for me. But but if this place burnt down or blew up, <laughs> right, yeah, they want to know, oh, but I belong to Amanda. Mm-hmm. So even if this place blows down, I belong to Tim and Melissa. Mm-hmm. I belong to Tony and Penny. So this place can change. Mm-hmm. This place can All kinds of good stuff, bad stuff, doesn't matter stuff can happen to this place because I belong to someone's heart. See, God wants you, that's church. Church isn't belonging to a structure. It's not belonging to an address. It's not belonging to a schedule of events. Church finally happens when someone can say, I belong to you. And you belong to me. And that there is a, a giving of heart for one another, right? Yes. It, it, you understand, and I'll, and I'll last thought for that, you understand, we, we start Christianity, and it's true, by saying things like, Jesus, I give you my heart, right? Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take. Every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. And that's a great song. I love that song. my favorite. I thought about it a long time. But you know that that's not just vertical. That's also horizontal. Because how can I give my heart to the Lord? And John said it more like this, if I can use a little bit of a paraphrase. How can I give my heart to the one I can't see when I'm unwilling to give my heart to the one I can see?
1: <laughs>
0: Love you, my kid. Oh, okay. What does that look like? <laughs> Very good. We'll come back next week and we'll talk more about what. No, <laughs> no, What to, to answer? Part two. Part two. No, I've been trying to get there, but it's but what does that look? We said a little bit before, and to leave some. What does that look like? See people. Make sure you're taking time in your day to do what Jesus said to the lady to lift your eyes up from the day's occupation to lift your eyes up from the to-do list that's good in whatever it is you're doing and take time to see people. Does that make sense? And I, and again, and, I, and, and he's not, I mean, it's one of the biggest things I appreciate about Tony. Because mm-hmm. yep. I know he sees me. And I've seen you see other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, was, I was telling Selena, you know, and again, and, and, and Tony, I apologize for him, about to say you and I talked about it and I didn't, I have a chance to tell you before it went public that I took that position at that bakery. Mm, I wanted you to know first, mm. but it just didn't work out, so I'm sorry uh-huh. I didn't get to tell you first, Cause, um, but, um, and not for anything other than you're my friend. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know these things. And, um, but um, but the, the man who hired me, I just, at the end of the week and stuff, I, I stood back in, um, in my own stuff and felt seen again. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, and, and I'm, I'm amazed because I, I told Selena about it. We talked about it. I said, man, there's, there's stuff rising up on the inside of me, but it's because someone saw it in me before I saw it. Guys, you realize that that's, that's powerful. it's so powerful. People, many people are waiting to be seen. And, and when we can see things in them before they see it in themselves, they'll rise to the level of your vision for their life. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Um,
1: you know, just to answer Sophia's question, you know, Katie was here last week, and she heard your message about mm-hmm. what God put on your heart. Well, she prayed that night. She said, God, is there somebody you put on my heart? And she slept, and that night she had a drink. And I know she won't mind me sharing yeah. that, day.
0: <laughs>
1: she won't mind me. She yeah. but she had a dream that night that an old friend of hers that had gotten into foster care, yeah. uh, she had a dream she was pouring bowls of cereal all night long for each one of her kids that she was fostering. She's just pouring cereal. And I said, That Katie, that is so
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But she woke up with a
1: heart for someone she had not thought about, mm. and I can't, I
0: can't tell you how. That's how. right.
1: So she got back in contact with her. So you see, nobody on my heart right now if i'm being honest but if i ask mm-hmm. yes when i ask i say god who have you put on my that's heart that's right that's when i think you will begin to reveal things
0: absolutely to
1: because when we are in the me myself and i mode there's no room
0: that's right there's no absolutely. more room there's nobody in there that's
1: <laughs> but when we hear something like this it, it it prompts us to be you know to absolutely
0: our tense, like absolutely Satan, and say god Absolutely. Well, that's what we said. I love Miss Lisa. that's what we said last week. So we pray. I mean, it's been again for some time now, my prayer. I mean, obviously, as I said last week, my family, my wife, my six children, they are in my heart, right? Because not just because it's my obligation because I'm their dad or their husband, but because that's what's supposed to have. That's supposed to start there first, right? All of you guys, you are in my heart. Right, every time somebody new comes and steps in, they, they, they step into my heart, mm-hmm. right? Because that's all, and that's not just my obligation because I'm the pastor here, mm-hmm. right? But that's, that's my heart, right? You, so you guys are in my heart. Uh, I, I've learned to trust the Lord to highlight people. And I'll and I, and I just say it like this. Um, so you know how I operate here is we've, we've talked as a pastoral team, Selena, myself, Audrey, Kevin, and and we've looked across, and I've asked them, who's who's in your heart, and they've they've said, well, God's put this person here, God. So they've got people in there in your heart, and and I'm asking only of them. What I'm asking of is, Lord, help me tend those that are today in my heart, right? And not that I don't love other body, but I can't, you know, it you it, it can't do it. That there's an there is a, a certain level of of physical impossibility for time limitations in this, but I've just learned to trust when God brings somebody up, like again, in prayer, in a dream, and they come to me, mine is to learn how to not be slow in, in, in responding to that. So when they come to my mind, to call them, text them, do something to start the initial, hey, thinking about you, right, came to my mind today, Everything good. How are you doing? Reaching out, just checking in and then let that go. Sometimes God says, "Hey, make sure you go to lunch with that person." And so those are those kind of practical ways, but it starts as it starts by asking, being open, right? As we said this morning, taking the time to see people. Right? Because you you cannot you cannot touch what you cannot see. And you Totally cannot touch what you are unwilling to see. Right. What was it? It was uh, Helen Keller that said there's something worse than being blind. It's being able to see and not seeing. (laughs) Right. It's having the ability to see and having no vision to, to see. So you have to be willing to see people. And then I'll land on this one. And then finally, just be thankful, as we said already. Start with thanksgiving, right? When you could sit there and say, Well, God brings somebody to my mind, and it's not like He came, they came to my mind and I had a word of the Lord, (laughs) right? You know, tell them this, right? I mean, it, it, you know, sometimes it might just be they come to the mind and you just say, Hey, I'm thankful for you. You came to my mind today. And I would just say, Be as specific as you can. I'm thankful because of this. I'm thankful because I've seen you do this. You're good at this. I'm grateful for this in you. As much, you know, you've heard me jokingly say about, you know, the the town drunk one day in the old Western town died and he was just mean as, an, mean as a snake. He's an ornery, right? And the pastor's now stuck having to do the funeral for the town drunk, but nobody had anything nice to say. So he leans on Brother Bob, who was always positive, right? He was always a positive guy. And so the pastor doing what sometimes pastors do—he just passes the buck. Well, brother Bob, I want you to speak the eulogy over Otis, the town drunk, right? You know. And so uh, that's there. And so now brother Bob's like, man, what do I? I don't know. So he gets up that day when the funeral comes, and they're there, and brother Bob stands up and says, "Well, you know what, Otis? He sure could whistle." Let's pray. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so sometimes you just need, I just always always what, say, what's their whistle?" Sometimes when they come, I can look around and go, "Well, they can, they can whistle. All right man, you can whistle. And just but start with something and being grateful, being grateful for people. Gratitude is the doorway to the supernatural. Gratitude is the doorway to full restoration. And again, this is, remember that's what Jesus said about those nine lepers or those 10 lepers, Jesus healed all 10. Nine never returned. One came back and said, thank you. And there was a word change that Jesus added. The other ones were healed, but to the one who came back and was thankful, he said, and you are now whole. And I do believe fingers, whatever would have fallen off was restored when he came back with gratitude. And he didn't just receive healing, he received wholeness and a restoration of stuff. So gratitude is the doorway to wholeness. Gratitude is the doorway to the supernatural. Gratitude is the doorway to unlocking things. So where does it start? It starts with, I'm thankful. I'm th- and, and like Paul, and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for who you are. right? I'm grateful for what you bring to the table, as Audra said right, if you know I'm grateful for what you bring into my life, and find, and as much as you can find something that you can be specific with, for this point, I am thankful, for this reason, I am grateful, does that that make sense, and those things begin to open and expand your heart towards people, right, and then let people have room, amen, so Lord, thank you so much, there's so much more, man, there's so much more, I just ask you that you show us, that you teach us, Lord, I really do feel like we're just scratching the surface on some of this. And uh, and so Lord, just show us, each of us, uh, from your word, Lord, how do we abound in love? What does abounding in love look like? What does allowing you to put people in our heart look like? Jesus.